This is our podcast, Over the Neglect on Summer Avenue. Um, I'm Javon Cooper, sophomore, class of 2022. My major is business. Over the semester, we have observed and researched some of the problems faced by the residents and businesses on Summer Avenue. Due to our observations, we have broken down Summer Avenue into three sections. From North Tresman Street to North Highland Street. From North Highland Street to North White Station Road and from North White Station Road to Barlett. Each of these sections highlight a different form of neglect. The first part of Summer Avenue is between North Chesapeake Street and North Highland Street. Driving through this area, there are many unkept and abandoned buildings. By the looks of it, it would seem as if there was zero economic activity. This is false, for some businesses along this portion of Summer are fully functioning, like the various auto shops and thrift stores sprinkled throughout the area. As Pastor Young stated, Mid-South Thrift is a sort of best-kept secret. A potential reason why Mid-South might be the best-kept secret would be due to the abandoned and unkept buildings in the area. Or it could be due to the heavy police presence. There's always a cop patrolling the area and or the presence of blue lights. I would assume the blue lights down the section of summer would be a response to the reoccurring incidents on summer, such as theft and the complaints made on the homeless population. Regardless of why the, pres- the blue lights are there, the lights give off a notion that the section of summer is unsafe and by default should be avoided. The presentation of this section does reflect some truth, however. It is obvious that this section has been neglected by everyone except themselves. Hello, my name is Catherine Ledesma Soto, but I go by Cat. I am a sophomore at Rhodes College, class of 2022. I am anticipating to double major in urban studies and education with a minor in Latin studies. The second half of Summer Avenue between North Highland Street and North White Station Road is a three-mile stretch that is now called Nation Highland. As you drive through this area, there are an array of flags representing the countries of origin for various owners. This section of Summer gained its name due to the high amount of diverse businesses in the area. Although Summer Avenue's diversity should be celebrated, the rebranding of Summer does more harm than good for the communities it's meant to embrace. In calling the section of Summer Nation's Highway, it becomes more susceptible to ice waves. This area of the city is far too familiar with ice waves. As Alain talked about in the interview, there was an incident when ice pulled up to a park and took everyone they could without notice. This trend has continued throughout this nation due to the current administration. So naturally, immigrant communities have been more cautious than usual. So by highlighting a hub for diverse business owners and not having the surrounding community support or knowing how to support social issues, such as immigration, the business owners and customers are now even more susceptible to ICE. Not to mention that the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Office is on Summer Avenue, right across the drive-in movie theater, which emphasizes even more how much of a problem this is. The third section of Summer Avenue is from North White Station Road to Bartlett. This area is considered to be the nicest part of Summer Avenue. There are well-kept buildings as opposed to abandoned buildings and black everywhere. The businesses are also more well-kept. The types of businesses are more for the upper middle class. For example, there's putt-putt golf, drive-in movie theater, and go-karts. Instead of necessities like the rest of Summer Avenue, these businesses are more for luxurious purposes. The roads are also well-kept. On the rest of Summer Avenue, the roads have many potholes which do not make driving enjoyable and can cause damage to, to the cars. Um, there is more greenery as well, car transportation, rather than people walking 
are taking the bus that's going to be seen throughout the rest of Summer Avenue. Summer Avenue's gentrification has caused several aspects of the community to experience neglect. The most visual signs of neglect are in the pavement itself. The west end of Summer experiences financial neglect. The city neglects the area in general when it comes to maintenance. Consumers forget about it when it comes to supporting the local businesses. This area just has an impoverished feel to it, and you can sense the feeling without ever even getting out of the car. Just looking around as you drive, you can notice vandalized old buildings, graffiti, razor wire, and barbed wire fences. You get the feeling that not only are the citizens poor, but the businesses are poor as well, and this can bring on even more issues. One of these major issues is the food desert in the area, and the in all honesty, the food desert could also be a problem from neglect from the Chamber of Commerce. But as you can as you continue east on summer, the pavement and the businesses start to look better, especially on the um, on the part considered to be Nation's Highway. This part of summer does not experience the financial neglect that the west end of summer suffers. Um, however, Nation's Highway experiences social neglect. This area is very diverse, but the minority groups of the area feel neglected socially. The Hispanic population on summer is still often underrepresented. In order to get better insight on the topic, we interviewed Eileen Mercado, who is a Rose graduate. Um, my name is Eileen Mercado. I graduated this past May of 2019. Um, I studied Latin American Latinx Studies and Urban Studies, and I grew up on Summer Avenue. That was one of the neighborhoods that I grew up in Memphis. Um, it was near Summer and Perkins. There's these streets called, wait, it's like the Shakespeare, uh, Stratford upon Avon. So I, I lived between Stratford and Avon, and that was my, like, the funnest fact that I could think of when I was a child, because I was like, Shakespeare, even though I didn't like him. Anyway, um... I grew up there. I right now I'm just kind of doing some odd jobs, but um, for almost two years, um, I've been writing for the Memphis Flyer, um, a one monthly column, mostly on kind of like issues of race and ethnicity in the South, because those are like issues and topics that I'm really passionate about. Being a brown immigrant. Um, from South America living in the U.S. South. So a lot of the work and writing that I do is, is connected to that. Um, so I wrote that piece of the rebranding of Summer Avenue because I lived there and I worked there. Um, my thesis, both of my thesis is for um, urban studies and Latin American studies uh, were in or around that neighborhood. Um, so I still keep a lot of connections there. Um, I just want to say that I love your article. It was very insightful. And I just have a couple questions on like the main points around your article. Or things that I needed more clarification on. So the first question is, can you talk more about the incident or incidences that... Um, because it tends to be more than one when it involves ICE, that happened on Summer Avenue and how the community responded to those incidents. 
Um, the biggest one that I can think of, I think, was like in 2010. I think that was around the year. Um, there, ICE had um, shown up at a park, um, at Geisman Park. Um, that's a public park on Macon Avenue. And I wasn't, I was very young at that time, um, but my sister and my parents remember it. And from what I've heard, they just kind of like took everyone from, they were playing soccer. I think it was like on a weekend probably. So they were all playing soccer and they just kind of like took everyone. Um, I think they left like one kid cause he was like underage or something. Um, and I don't remember exactly like how many people were picked up, but it definitely like impacted the community, the surrounding area. Um, and from that, uh, there was a group of people that had kind of been doing some like grassroots organizing around immigrant issues um, in Memphis. Um, and that because of that event, it kind of developed into formalizing GOOF, which is the Comunidades uh, Unidas en Una Voz, or in English, Communities United Under One Voice. Um, and they've probably been like the most visible that I've seen grassroots organizing group in the city in terms of like um, doing know your rights workshops and um, going to like consulates and talking to people um, and yeah they right now I think they're like supported by um, Turk Tennessee Immigrant Refugee Rights Coalition because I know that they receive like any information or documents or papers on like more formalized instructions on what to do if ICE comes at your door. Turk kind of sends them that that way. Um, but they've also, like, come up with their own literature and media um, around those issues to share with, like, community members. Um, yeah, that's the most kind of, like, the biggest event that I remember happening in that area. But there's always, there's been, like, sightings and stuff um, of ICE. I just can't think of specific ones. That's fine. Um, also, um, you also talked about the divide that has been created between the Latinx community and the black community by calling the families strong. Mm -hmm. um, do you care? Want to speak more on that and like um, how the impact um, and impact that it has on like with it within the community. Mm -hmm. um, in another article I had written about like how anti-blackness is like so rooted within Latinx communities. Um, the construction of Latinidad being like people in the US with some relation to Latin America um, is very exclusionary to black folks who live in Latin America or, or in Latin, black Latin American immigrants that live in the US because there's like one image of, there's like a stereotypical image of what a Latinx person looks like, um, that they're like mixed and probably like lighter skinned. And if you Google it, I'm sure it'll come up, but very rarely is there like images of black Latinx people. Um, and so it, w in that article, I was kind of pointing out how like, um, that anti-blackness is used a lot within communities of color and especially the Latinx community, I think, because even within like folks that would be in like quote unquote my community don't like recognize that there are people, like that there are black Latinx people and that there's like even naming white Latinx folks, like that's just not 
something that people recognize they're just like oh they're latinx but completely erasing race from that because latinx is like seen as a racial identity when it's not um in memphis i think it's even more important to talk about um the relationship the like i don't even know how to, like race and history um because latin american immigrants are like pretty new to this area um probably like within the past 30 years um and are have like a growing presence but don't know a lot of like black history in memphis um i'm kind of like going way too far but like the one of the people that was involved in this like marketing strategy saying that latinx people have stronger families that like really clicked with me as something that was problematic because all that we hear about black families is that they're broken and that there's like a single mom and like the dad has left or is in jail and stuff like that and i i was talking to my mom about this how like the stereotype that is she was kind of like showing about latinx families being strong um i think is based out of like catholicism um I'm, this is these are like assumptions that I'm making, but I feel like it's rooted in that because like we assume that all Latinx people are Catholic and so therefore have like strong family units, but that also dismisses like that there's a lot of issues within a lot of families, um, and there's different reasons that like the two parents might not have the healthiest relationship, but they can't separate, um, and. Yeah, so, like, on, on different levels, like, it was erasing that Black Latinx people exist who also face discrimination um, because of how they are racialized. Um, and then it also points, like, non-Latinx people as being, like, better than having stronger family values, maybe, um, than, like, Black folks in that area who, like, integrated that area first. And the only reason that we have kind of, like, immigrants in this city is because of a lot of black integration um in areas and also just in general like the civil rights movement put push forward a lot of immigration acts okay the next set of questions is specifically about the flea market and the laundromats that are on summer avenue mm -hmm. so you touched that you touched based on that in the second half of your article and talking about how there's different audiences in terms of the rebranding efforts and then when you prioritize one audience over the other, you lose a certain element of that community. Mm -hmm. So specifically going more in depth about the Planet Fitness and the flea market, could you give some specific examples of what exactly was lost in that space? Um, I grew up across the street from that and it used to be um, a bowling alley. Um, I'd never gone inside of it, but friends that I knew whose parents had lived in Memphis for a long time had and they went to it when they were younger um, and there's a lot of memories tied to that space from older residents who are like largely white and like they're like the baby boomer generation um, so I saw when it was when the flea market was kind of like emerging um, and I even might have read this and when I was doing like research for this that the person one of the people like that was involved in the bowling alley um like had done some paperwork to make the flea market a thing and then that whatever licenses or whatever had expired 
Um, so then the folks that were part of the marketing strategy were like, it's not licensed or it's like unofficial or whatever. So that was kind of a motive to shut it down because it wasn't being like bureaucracy was just messing it up. Um, and I, I don't think I had gone personally to the flea market when it was there, but my, my mom had, cause she does a lot of like community outreach just in very like casual spaces and talking to people. Um, so she's gone to that one. There's also another flea market in Jackson Avenue that I'd gone to. And so like going to those outdoor flea markets, there's so many like vendors who are like women and making food and are selling it or selling like, it's kind of like a large backyard sale sometimes, whether they're selling things that they have or things like that they've bought and then are like reselling like a flea market is, um, and so something that I think is like lost there is like these are folks that are doing like a small scale business that are entrepreneurs and seeing that there's items that are being people want and then they're finding them and selling it. It's a small economy. Um, and by taking that away, like it is some people's source of income. It might not be like their main source of income, but it is at least like um, filling in for gaps that their regular jobs might not. Um, so that's one of the major things that I feel like is lost. Um, I'd also, while I was in college, had done like research into how supermarkets are spaces of community. And I feel like if you're in a neighborhood where um, there is like a lot of different ethnicities and cultures and races and like all these things coming together, but there's no formal structures to support that and support that community building, like no cultural centers or community centers um, that are well-funded and have like good programming and stuff, then people kind of just like stay home or the kids are out playing in the streets. There's no like really supervision, um, which is something that happens like a lot in Memphis because there isn't a lot of funding into community programs. Um, but for this area, like that was a space where people could go in and learn about Memphis and like learn about the neighborhood and find out what the best grocery store was to get whatever cultural items or needs that they needed or like when you build those relationships face to face in that like very open flea market you're like making connections to like all these different resources that you can't find in the yellow pages um and having the planet fitness there it like I, I I don't go to gyms, but Planet Fitness, I feel like, is marketed as, like, a very affordable, like, gym stuff, but it is still, like, a recreational activity, um, and it is affordable, but you also, like, need time to be able to invest to go there, like, an hour or whatever, and if you're a family, like, you have a family and you have kids and you are working all the time, you're not going to find that time to go to a formal space to do exercising, um, so I feel like it, I don't know who, where people are coming from that are using that Planet Fitness. Like, I don't know where that need was like, oh yeah, people are gonna, definitely gonna go here from the neighborhood, how that was measured. But like, I didn't feel like it served the folks that were going to the flea market um, or were going to the flea market to like either sell things or buy things. Um, what, what do you think can be done to going to stop this from happening, like, on the flea market being the replace for, like, a Planet Fitness? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm not sure what groups. I know when there's like a company that proposes to do certain development in an area, they have to go through like the city for licenses to build and like stuff like that. Um, I think the idea of the Summer Avenue Merchants Association is to be that buffer between like between the city and the company so they can decide who what businesses they want in that like strip in that area um i think that if you're gonna have like a business association like that and i think there's like one in kubuyang and there's probably like other areas that have something similar models then there should also be more intentional and stronger relations between like the business side of it and like community members and people that live in that neighborhood because the business people are only going to see it one way and folks that are in the community like they know what things they need they know what kind of shops or markets they need um and the summer avenue merchants i know that like the lead people in that were part of that generation that grew up there um probably like in the 70s and 80s that were the baby boomer generation if not their like kids um and there's like a certain image they they want to keep of that area um i think that's also like another motive of like the nostalgia of what they grew up with like these small businesses um but it's also like you can't remember that and not remember that there was there's so many like racial life stuff within those memories that those businesses probably like all majority white and the just demographics of that area has changed so much where like if you're trying to have a like a landscape of business that reflects the area it's not going to be like it was decades ago um but i guess that also like reflects how like the city and other business associations want to attract certain businesses but then also don't have a really good connection with people that live there um or at least there's no like intentional like um they're not trying to make those relationships or don't even have like that good of an understanding um because i'm thinking about how like of the flags that were put up there was one of them that was the israeli flag and i was like i don't know what business here is from israel because the ones that i do know are palestinian and if y'all had any like understanding of those differences you wouldn't have paid to get that flag up there because now like you're pushing away that community that's there because that's like a very violent symbol that flag but again they like maybe have made communication or contact with certain communities or businesses there but they just don't have like a historical context or social context to understand why that's problematic we also interview Pastor Young. All right, good evening. Good evening, uh, Pastor Young. Um, good evening. So uh, this is, this is uh, I want to talk to you a little bit today about uh, Summer Avenue. But first, starting off, let's, let's start with an introduction uh, on who you are. Okay. Uh, well, my name is uh, William Young. I'm originally from Bolivar, Tennessee. I've uh, been here in Memphis uh, almost 10 years. Uh, graduated from the University of Memphis 2014 uh, recently got my master's uh, in Christian ministry and social justice from Memphis Theological Seminary um, currently 
uh, an admissions counselor at the Tennessee College of Applied Technology. I also have a law enforcement background as I was a Memphis uh, police, city, uh, city of Memphis police officer. Okay, okay. Um, let me start. And I'm also a pastor too, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, pastor Young, let me start uh, by asking you uh, for some of your personal thoughts on Summer Avenue about the, the neighborhood, the personality, just the image of, of Summer. I think uh, Summer Avenue, uh, from a personal standpoint, is one of the most vibrant, uh, 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 I guess, areas in Memphis. Uh, there's a lot of uh, diversity there. Uh, you have a lot of uh, local owned stores and uh, a lot of uh, I, a lot of uh, good places to eat. Uh, one thing I do like about Summer Avenue is I like the thrift stores on Summer Avenue. Uh, it's a lot of you can find a lot of good vintage clothing if that's what you're into. Uh, a lot of good vintage books um, at the Mid South Outlet on Summer Avenue, but there's a uh, uh, a, a, a lot of people who go uh, to the Mid South Outlet. It's kind of like a best a best kept secret, if you will. Okay, okay. Uh, now, Pastor Young, I wanna I wanna prick your law enforcement background a little bit. What are uh, what are your thoughts on the area from a law enforcement standpoint? And uh, you know how heavily is it patrolled? What are some most common arrests? Uh, and does your, does your view of summer differ from the average officer's view of the area? Okay, so uh, when I was patrolling, I had the, I was assigned to that area. Uh, mostly, uh, what you'll find on summer, you'll find a lot of accidents uh, at different intersections. That's, that's uh, what you really will find, but uh, there's a large Latino uh, segment and um, you find a lot of uh, domestic, you know I mean, really in Memphis in general, it's not, summer is not very different in the, in the, I guess the crime, you find a lot of domestic violence uh, because a lot of people, you know, don't have conflict resolution skills, so they get in arguments and it might stem into, you know, uh, a fight, you know, between a boyfriend and girlfriend, child father, child mother, uh, but you get a lot of thefts too, uh, thefts, uh, from you know the thrift stores as I mentioned, but you also get a lot of <laughs> shoplifting from Kroger, uh, the Kroger on summer. Uh, get a lot of you. You do have a lot of homeless people also. Uh, they like to hang out and camp out. Get a lot of calls about you know people begging and panhandling for money. Uh, so that's uh, one thing that we did. We dealt with a lot. Okay. Okay. Um, now, as you said earlier, you. Uh View summer is very vibrant. Um, would you say most officers view that area the same way? Yeah, if you know, I, I I would I would definitely say that because uh, uh, I've I had a lot of activity when I was uh, you know in that area. It never never really was a boring day. Um, so I, I would say that this is vibrant. Uh, it's a busy area, you know, a uh, very busy area. Uh, and I know recently. Uh, you had a a, 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 cro a person who worked at a cross guard got hit, you know, a hit and run got hit by somebody, uh, you know, the, at the at the Groundwood School. That's a very popular school on summer. Um, that's an issue we had. A lot of people speeding even through the school zone. So uh, we 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 
when I was patrolling, we would like to watch the area, especially look out for the children, try to minimize the accidents. As I mentioned, accidents, a lot of accidents happen on summer. Okay, okay. Um, now, I took a ride down summer a few days ago myself, and it seemed to me uh, the farther I got east toward the Bartlett area, the it, summer started looking better and better, mm -hmm. like a... You could tell it was a, a higher income area than say uh, the farther west part of summer. Uh, you, the part closer to Trisman, you yep. see a lot of uh, yep. uh, barbed wire. You see yep. fences around car lots, you know. But as you get toward Bartlett, it, it actually looks like a mm -hmm. a better neighborhood. Yep. Yeah, I I, I can uh, attest to that. I can agree with that. Um, it is a higher income base. Uh, mostly east of summer, uh, and you don't have a lot of the a lot of the same crime east of summer that you do west of summer, uh, because of course we know that poverty uh, is uh, tied into crime, and the higher the poverty rate, the higher the crime rate is going to be. So you correct in, in it. Okay. Uh, now here in the in the recent past. Uh, Summer, I've noticed. A, I have, I've only been in Memphis for. I'm going on my second year, but I will. I want to ask you: Have you noticed any changes in the area in the uh, recent past? Uh, I, I would say once again, the Latino community is, is constantly growing. That's one of the biggest changes I see uh, when you ride uh, through summer. Uh, probably like uh, summer in Macon is a large Latino community, and uh, you will see a lot of grocery stores that they have and it's you know the name is written in Spanish uh, you know and when you get to that area where where they are you'll notice a lot of it is written in Spanish and I think that's interesting because it's they let their people know that it's owned by them and uh, that you know they're welcome and it's, it's like their area okay okay uh, and in the near future is it anything you would like to see happen with the area to help it help out uh, yeah, I would like to see uh, more uh, African-American-owned businesses. And I say that because it's a large African-American population that lives on summer. And uh, I think that uh, just like the Latino community uh, is building and branding themselves, uh, African-Americans need to do the same, especially in regards to where they live. Uh, it's only right that they own businesses just like other races that live in the area. Okay. Okay. Um, I have I have one more question for you. Uh, I read a article recently, and it uh, a statement in that article was that the Latino community on Summer Avenue helps helps with the crime, and you know by by giving the community that sense of family uh, because. Uh, because of a common stereotype that Latinos have a, a larger sense of family than say the African American population in that same area. What are your thoughts on on that on that? Uh, I think uh, I, th I think that it is a stereotype that African Americans don't have uh, family aspect, but I, I I disagree with that because uh, one thing that's very prevalent and popular in the African American community is uh, our family reunions. Uh, and that's because during our time of enslavement, when we were sold away from our families, 
uh, people will move different places, take different names, and then, you know, we had the Great Migration, where a lot of people from the South moved up north to get jobs, and they would come back home, uh, you know, once or twice a year to get with their family so that their younger uh, members could know where they come from and who they belong to. So I think that uh, if we say that uh, Latinos are more family-oriented than any other group of people, I don't think that's a very... Uh, I think that's a biased statement to make. I think that, as, as you mentioned, it, that's kind of degrading to, to make it look like African-Americans don't uh, do the same. I just think that we don't have the same business, I'm not going to say business sense, but business opportunities that uh, other races have had because uh, Caucasians, of course, have uh, had a head start. Uh, foreigners, they can get certain grants or know about certain grants that some African-Americans don't know, but that's not to say that we can't do the same thing that others can do. I think it's just a, it's a, it's an education piece that goes along with it. Uh, and I think that when all races are able to own businesses equally and control their communities equally, then I think that crime will decrease and we will have more respect for each other as a whole when we all can play a part. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Pastor Young, for uh, for allowing me to, to chat with you a little bit on, on Summer Avenue. No problem. Possible solutions we discussed originating from King's philosophy. The first is to understand the unity in humanity. As King puts it, for some strange reason, I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. Therefore, the inability for one person to reach their potential affects everyone else. In the scope of society, when one group is facing adversity, all groups suffer as a consequence. King would call out the residents of Summer Avenue to help build each other up economically and socially, support local auto shops, thrift stores, and businesses that are owned by diverse peoples, and also be conscious of issues affecting those communities and how you can play their, your part in improving the issue. Once everyone plays their part, it would be easier to address bigger issues such as poverty by calling on the institutions in place to truly support the new society's issues. Businesses can build a sense of community by organizing events that are family friendly in order to get more customers. Um, free things can be given out and activities can be held. This will create more business for the businesses uh, as well as the ones around it.